0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Over the course of the centuries, the solemnity, marking the octave day of Christmas, has been focused on a, a variety of very important mysteries. On the eighth day, a Jewish boy would be circumcised, by his father, and given his name. And so the gospel reading accounts for that event, seemingly of no great consequence, but perhaps we will see that it actually is part of this great mystery. As the church had need to re-emphasize the identity of this person born in Bethlehem, as God himself, so this octave day of Christmas also is known as the Solemnity of Mary, the Holy Mother of God, as much to emphasize her dignity as to remind people that her son is actually God. And one of the easiest ways to identify who he is and what he is, true God and true man, the eternally begotten Son of God the Father, the second person of the Holy Trinity, and the Son of this Virgin Mary, is to simply refer to her as the mother of God. Obviously, she's not the origin of God or the origin of the Trinity, but the one to whom she gave birth, the one of whom she is truly mother, actually is and already was God himself. It's also a day to pray for peace for many good reasons. But the opening prayer today has a specific focus and a specific phrase that's worth our attention. You heard me pray. O God, who through the fruitful virginity of Blessed Mary bestowed on the human race the grace of eternal salvation, grant we pray that we may experience the intercession of her, through whom we were found worthy to receive the author of life, our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. This phrase, fruitful virginity, virginitate fecunda, easily escapes our attention. The liturgy of Christmas, although, tries to bring it into focus. You might have noticed, especially if you've come into Mass a few times over the past few days, that during the Eucharistic prayer, specifically the first Eucharistic prayer, there is an extra paragraph that is inserted before we list the names of the apostles and martyrs. I've yet to meet a priest who has been able to successfully use that Eucharistic prayer every day of the Christmas octave and remember to use those words instead of the usual words without the assistance of post-it notes. But we try our best. In the course of that insert... You've heard us over the last few days use these words. Celebrating the most sacred day on which Blessed Mary, the Immaculate Virgin, brought forth the Savior for this world, and in communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. The emphasis seems to be on the fact that that sacred night or that sacred day is when Mary, gave us our Savior. Now, the actual Latin prayer and what is prayed at the old Mass and what would have been prayed in the, in the Vatican is something a little different. Communicantes et diem sacritissimum cerebrantes quo beate Maria in virginitas huic mundo edidit salvatorem. The prayer actually says, celebrating that most sacred day on which... The inviolate virginity of Blessed Mary gave us our Savior. It's the virginity of Mary that gave us our Savior. It's not simply the fact that Mary, ever virgin, gave us our Savior on that sacred day, but the virginity of Mary gave us our Savior. Even the prayer that, you'll hear me pray it, because I just, you know, if it, If it's in red, I do it. If it's in black, I say it. So I'll say the prayers that are in the book are still a far cry better than what used to be the case 10 years ago. In those days, you would have heard the priest say, celebrating that most sacred day when Mary, without loss of her virginity, gave us our Savior. As though though her virginity were an obstacle, perhaps, to Christ coming into the world. In fact, the prayer emphasizes that it is because of her virginity that she was able to give us our savior. Why is that so important? Mary is both virgin and mother. It's good to remember that Mary's virginity is perpetual. It doesn't simply mean that she was never with a man before our Lord or after his birth, but even in childbirth she remained a virgin. Christian literature of the first and second centuries emphasize this in awkward detail sometimes. Her giving birth was miraculous, not just her conceiving. Her virginity is the work of God. It's not just simply an example of her determination or her perseverance and a personal vow that preceded Joseph. The virginity of Mary bringing forth Christ into the world is reflected in the manner in which Christ continues to come into the world, body, blood, soul, and divinity. By the power of God, not by the power of a person. And if if Mary became mother, was found to be the suitable mother because of her virginity, if our Savior arrived in the world through her virginity, then similarly, she becomes our mother through her virginity. Our Lord, having been born in the world, is worth celebrating. Jesus Christ, the eternally begotten Son of God, the Son of Mary, becoming your Savior is worth celebrating as well. And so we, we prayed at the beginning of Mass, not just in celebration of the fact that Christ came into the world through Mary's fruitful virginity, but we actually prayed that we might experience her intercession, that she might become our mother. And so we beg the Lord to make us worthy of this ever-virgin mother of God. That we may honor her for all of her perfections created and sustained by God. That we may become more and more like her, pure in our hearts, realizing that every good thing comes from God. Anything worth celebrating as an accomplishment is the work of God. It requires our participation. Sometimes our creative effort, sometimes just simply our resolution not to ruin God's work. Sometimes it requires our action. As Mary traveled in haste to her cousin Elizabeth, returned to Nazareth, already six months, or three months pregnant herself. Traveling back to Bethlehem, nine months pregnant. Fleeing to Egypt. All the while trusting those whom God had placed in her life most especially St Joseph. And so it's on this day that we see this unique unique little event. Our Lord is circumcised and given his name. Our Lady gave birth to him 7 days prior. Today is the day for her simply to watch. To To shed a tear, perhaps, or to wince, as our Lord begins to shed blood for our salvation. And it's on this day that our secular calendar begins anew. A Roman calendar baptized by the Church and perfected by Pope Gregory the Thirteenth. It helps us be reminded of what actually is new. Something different for me, sometimes we call that new, it's a new experience. Being shut out might be a new experience, doesn't feel very new. To a teenager, a car that's 15 years old and has 200,000 miles on it might, uh, might feel new, but it won't after very long. What really is new? Only that which is actually perfect. New doesn't mean different, New means it's fresh and it's good. God is always perfect, ever new. And Mary, the chosen mother, for God, our Savior, ever virgin, perfectly holy. As we strive to make new all things in Christ, We realize that they need to be pure. They need to be good. They need to be holy. We need to be good. We need to be pure. We need to be holy. That's the only newness that will last forever. The creative work of God. After communion, it'll take a few minutes, but it's worth our time and attention. Chanting the Veni Creator Spiritus will be our Our petition that God the Holy Spirit guide us throughout this entire year. Any good thing that will happen this year will come from God and might require our work, but will always require our reverence. And so we ask Mary to make best use of this intercession that comes from heaven as we pray. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.